December 14th, 2022. We're continuing in our learning of Morei Nebuchim. If you recall, we dealt with the first two Pirakim in the first Chalik, and then we jumped to the second Chalik we learned from the 30th Perik over there, and then the promise was the last part we wanted to do in terms of rounding out that initial conversation was, at least in my mind, rounding it out, is in Chalik Aleph Perik Zayin. As I mentioned, difficult in my opinion to read through Moreh Nebuchim and to appreciate it if you're reading it almost in a seemingly chrono- chronological order. To read it Perik by Perik is very difficult. As you'll see, just from the beginning of Perik Zayin, you see it starts with a word, Yelid. In other words, you might recognize that type of beginning. We had that in the first Perik as well. Remember, the first Perik was dealing with Selim and Demut. Much of what he does, Harambam, in a seemingly you know, a technical fashion, is he's dealing with words, etymology, their meaning. He's got a program that he's working toward, but to read it in that sort of straight fashion, in my mind, is, is counterproductive. Uh, so as a result, we're thematically piecing this together, and to round out the first two chapters is to round out his concept, his development of this term that he referred to, that Selim Elokim, right? That's what he referred to in Perek Alpha and Perek Bet, one of each of these. Um, and Selim uh, Elokim, as, as we discussed over there, is the description of the creation of Adam and Hava. They were created by Selim Elokim. And Harambam over there, if you recall, he was bothered by, he was struggling with uh, anthropomorphic stuff. He was struggling with, it sounds like he's giving bodily fe- features or bodily aspects to God, and his definition of Selim, this is very important for this Perek, was that that's the essence of a being. And Selim Elokim means the essence of humanity, or, or of Adam and Hava, and some sort of continued humanity, is this godlike, divine uh, nature to them, which he described as this ability or this uh, development of higher level consciousness or higher level uh, intellect, as, as we refer to it. Now, what we referred to and mentioned over there briefly was that although by Adam and Hava there's a description of Tzelem Elokim in their creation, there's no such mention by Cain and Hevel, and those words reappear by the third child mentioned by the Torah of Adam and Hava, and that is Shet. And so I said, we, want, we need to finish that sort of conversation to try to understand what is it that the Torah is perhaps implying. All right, so that's, that's the backdrop to what we need, at least in this Perik, to do and to develop his, his thought on this matter. And I would start, as a result, in sources one and two on this page, which, in my opinion, give you the backdrop from the Pesukim in the Torah before we even read his beginning of conversation of this word, uh, as he's going to talk about Yelid. But uh, the first source over here is... Uh, is Bereshit Perek Dal Pasuk Kafe. And Pasuk says, Vayeda od Adam, Vayeda Adam od et ishto, Vatelet ben, Vatikrait shemo Shet. So that's the reference in the Torah to this third child. His name was Shet. Kishatli Elohim zera aher tahat hevel, Kiharago Kain. So Pasuk describes Hava or it sounds like the wife of Adam gives him this name with an explanation for the name. Why is he named Shet? Kishat li Elohim zera aher tahatevil. God brought forth for me. God placed for me another child in place of Hevel, who of course was killed by Cain. 
Already the reference over there, I had a student randomly who sent me earlier this week uh, a citation from Kasuto. Kasuto is a, a, a modern commentator to the Torah. I saw it quoted just tonight in uh, Rabbi Yon Dr. Yonatan Grossman's book. Kasuto points out that it's possible even in the, the naming already you see something characteristically different about Shet than you even had by Cain. You see, the Torah never tells us why Adam and Hava named their second child Hevel. The name certainly is not a very flattering name. Hevel means heir. But Cain, the Torah tells, because uh, uh, Hava has this vision of uh, of, of Kaniti Ish et Elohim, that together with God, uh, we uh, brought forth this child. Uh, so maybe, and again, this is open for discussion, maybe over there that's already a certain self-centered vision. The fact that I, together with God, created this child brings myself into it. I'm sorry, I'm, I didn't expect so many people tonight. As opposed to Shet, which is much more out of it. It's much more submissive. So it might be already with, uh, with Shet, the naming is already telling of a different direction. Whereas Kain is Kaniti Ish Et Elohim, Et over there meaning together with God, me and God, we created this child. Shet is already a little bit more submissive, which again, it's up for discussion. Is that positive, is it negative? Uh, but he suggests that maybe that's a positive direction. Of course, keeping in mind the sin or the wrongdoing of Havan Adam as being something self-centered. All right, but that's the first reference of Shet for our purposes. And notice, this is at the end of Perek Dalet, there's no reference to Selem Elohim over here, right? There's just... Shet is milashon shat. Shat means to bring forth or to place. I mean, you know, I can't give you an exact definition. Something along those lines is, is the definition of that word shet. Right, so that's, that's what you have no mention. Then you go to Pereke. Now, Perek Dalid, much of it describes the lineage of Cain. Description, again, a reminiscence, another description of Adam, Hava, creation. Adam lives 130 years. Here's the words, he, create, he, he gives birth in his tselem, with his demut, again, we know those words from Perik Aleph, Perik Bet of the More, Vayikrai Chemo Shet. That's the reference. It's his, sure. Absolutely. And as a result, you might argue, it's not even Selem Elohim over here, but keep in mind, what is his Selem and Demut? None other than Selem Elohim, as the Torah told us earlier. So, you know, right, that's right, I don't remember. I learned this with Mrs. Lewis in 10th grade. No, so you have if A is B and B, you know, whatever. So, in other words, the reference, yes, it's him, Modus Tollens, that's right. I don't think it's Modus Tollens, but I do remember those words. Um, anyway, that does, so again, why do I put these two pistol games? We're going to discuss these pesukim, but I think there's very, something very telling, which I think Harambam, and, and I think he doesn't spell this out explicitly, and try to read it carefully together with you, I think he's picking up on this. The fact that the initial reference of Shet mentions nothing about Selim and Demut, and it's only the second reference, as we're telling you what kind of took place, then we have Tselmo and Demuto, and maybe there's something telling about that double uh, description in the Torah, only the second time telling us about Tselmo, the Kidmuto, I We'll pick up on that, we'll discuss that, but now to the more. So more in on the other page in front of you, in Helek Rishon, in the first uh, uh, section, in Perek Zayin, so here's, here's 
Again, what Harambam is doing, he's just looking to deal with this word yelet. What does it mean, yelet, yelat? What does it mean, uh, uh, what we translate as child or giving birth? What does that word mean? He says it's well known what the meaning of this word is. To give birth. And in turn, it's says then this word was figuratively used in order to describe as well bringing forth natural matters into existence. For example, Beterem Harim Yuladu. Now, um, mountains are not birthed. But when we talk about the natural creation of mountains, we can use that word of them being birthed. Uh, I, I mentioned just yesterday in a high school classroom, I said when you're, when you're young, you're pregnant with potential. And everyone started laughing. It sounds ridiculous. I said, what do you mean we were pregnant? Our parents were pregnant. I said, I'm speaking figuratively. Pregnant means there's so much potential. Of course, you know, that's, it's just a stupid way of speaking, beside the fact that I should have been speaking in Hebrew. But, I mean, that's, 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 that's all Adam Bama's pointing out. He says, yuladu doesn't necessarily mean the way we speak biologically, birth, just like I wasn't meaning it biologically, that they were pregnant. And similarly, it describes, uh, the the Navi Yeshaya describes uh, the ground sprouting in a way that, a child is sprouted now the ground is not giving birth in the biological sense of a mother to a child but it is sprouting so we'll replace the word uh, sprouting or we'll make it synonymous with leda, birthing what's this problem? being used in the context of having a child we haven't seen it being used in another context he is not troubled Rambam is not trouble. Again, that's you know that's that's the thing you assume when you open the more that like everything is going to be novel. He's just developing. I'm just saying, what's the what's if there's a purpose in defining a term? Yeah. You would think there would be ambiguity with the term that he's choosing to define, and here he's introducing the ambiguity, and unless there's a reason. I don't know why you do. The, the best I can tell you, and I, I, I don't have a full answer, I can tell you the development that we'll have later in this chapter will certainly um, uh, make clear that he needs to speak about this in such a fashion. Is the whole thing, or the first three paragraphs here, just a lead up for my point? I can't tell you. If we read it like that, if you give me a chance, it, it will certainly answer your question. I just don't know if he had another reason. In other words, there was some sort of surface-level reason why he's doing that. But you know, uh, get, keep in mind as well that in the Pesukim we read, of course, that's why he's starting the chapter this way, that's why he's dealing with this. Pesukim we read, uh, if you'll pay, take a quick look uh, for a moment again, in source number one, it was Vateled Ben. In source number two, it was Vahiyadam Vayoled. As Vayolin, again, of course, we'll say that Adam isn't actually birthing and over there when it says Vayolid bidmutok itzalmo. But why is why does it mention that Adam gives birth? The first time it said Vatelid bin. 
A second time, why are you talking from the vantage point or through the terminology that refers to Adam? Why not talk about it in the regular way or just say, and he has a child? I said, I, I want to, again, that's, those are the words that we're going to try to read carefully, but Adam Bam is not through with his etymology and his development of this. Ken ushal And so too, this word is figuratively used in the context of uh, things that are birthed by time. Uh, what, what, you won't know what the day will bring forth, but instead of saying give, bring forth, what will give, the day will give birth to. Not only is it a natural growth, as it is time, but it's furthermore what mind, and here, here's where he's going to get stuck on this point uh, for good reason. He says it's furthermore, um, when we talk about your mind developing an idea, he says the Navi will in more than, Ketubim will more than one place talk about thoughts being birthed. Uh, so he gives and all the ideas, concepts, and opinions that in turn are consequential. As it says in Tehillim, that's a reference to giving birth to uh, falsity. Falsity is a wrong thought. I don't mean give birth, it means it developed through a person's mind. And similarly, Ne'emar, the, the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, the Pasuk seems to be talking about the birth of non Jews or foreigners uh, you're sufficing with. <laughs> not not the most uh, uh, not, not the most beautiful references. That that is very true. Um, or do you have better ones? I don't know. If there were more positive ones, no, I, I neither do I. If there's more positive ones that he could have had in place, I hear your question. If not, he says, he says well, "What does this pasuk mean? That uh, you know, the birthing forth uh, foreigners, they're sufficing." He says, It's pasuk in Yeshaya at the beginning, in which Yeshaya is criticizing Am Yisrael and saying, "You're happy just giving in to the ways of the uh, other nations of the Gentiles." Uh, Similar to the uh, translation of Yonatan ben Uziel, of course, is the is uh, the most uh, standard. Uh, today, scholars doubt uh, have questioned whether the commentary, not the the translation to Nevi'im, is actually Yonatan ben Uziel. But that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara Masechim Megillah and Dav Gimal says that the Targum, you know, on the Torah, the standard Targum is of course Onkelus. When it comes to Nevi'im, it's Yonatan ben Uziel. The Gemara Masechet Sukkot describes Yonatan ben Uziel being one of the primary students of Hillel. Anyway, so here's his commentary. He says, here's how he translates it. Nimuse means the ways of, you know, like Nimus we say today is, you know, the, the proper manners. Amemaya is reference to the nations. Azlin, they go. Uh, but I thought it says something about giving birth. It means to, means to accept. It means to follow that with your mind and in turn with your heart and actions. Alpi says Arambam, and again, he's making his way to what in my mind is what the, the critical part of this chapter is. Alpimash Ma'udzot, based on this understanding, when a person teaches another knowledge, when I or you instruct another, 
It says, if I gave birth to that person, but I didn't actually give birth. Uh, it says, I'm the one who birthed within you and brought in your mind this new thought. As a matter of fact, the footnote over here quotes the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin on Dafyotet, which is a reference to the Pasuk in the Torah, which seems to describe the sons of Aharon as the sons of Aharon and Moshe. But why does it say that it's the sons of Moshe if they were the sons of, uh, of Aharon? So the Gemara over there says, If you teach your friend's child Torah, it's says if he gave birth to them. Harambam is, is creatively suggesting that it's not just that it's Torah, as if he gave birth. It's as if he gave birth. We're referring to birthing. Birthing means... I brought matters of essence. So matters of essence certainly begins with the physical, but it expands itself and becomes real when we're talking about intellectual perception and, and, and perfection. If I help you in perfecting your mind, I'm birthing you. That's, that's a real uh, significant description, says Harambam. And by extension, says Harambam, Nikreu talmideh ha-nevi'im ha-nevi'im. And the well-known story of Eliyahu seemingly ascending to the heaven, uh, Elisha turns to the Beneha Nevi'im. Sounds like they're the children of prophets. Uh, what they really are are uh, students of prophets. That's right, they used to have prophet school. They used to have Navi school. Rambam elsewhere describes it as they used to learn how to perfect themselves. Nivua means that a person has come to an almost perfect state of being. A person who characteristics-wise, mind-wise, temptations and tendencies have all been set in place. That's what they would do. They would train people to that in this academy. And in turn, they would grow their mind and grow their apprehension and comprehension of being able to, 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 to tap into higher matters. So the description is bene nevim. Why bene nevim? The idea, again, being these are people who were imbued with Proper thought to talk about leda, to talk about birthing, and in turn children means kefishin asbir bedvash chitu fashem ben. This is as we'll discuss later on the matter of this name ben, but again an outgrowth of leda. Okay, that being the case, we get to the point that in my mind, as I mentioned more than once, is what we want to get to al pi hashala zot neemar al haadam. Now, again, I'm going to just compare. I don't have the Arabic. I don't know. I have a book with it. I don't know Arabic, but I do know uh, both Hebrew and English decently. I can compare the description in the second paragraph on this page at the beginning to the third paragraph. The second paragraph began with alpim mashma'utzot. Mashma'ut means based on what this sounds like, based on this concept, I can now explain. The next words over here, alpi hash'alazot. Hash'ala is a way of saying this figurative mention of it, right? In other words, I can use a word that you're using and I can, uh, I can attribute it to something else. That's what he's been talking about throughout. He's talking about this word hash'ala throughout. He's saying the word yelid, yalad, leda, we can talk about in a figurative way. Hash'ala, I can use it not only in the biological, physical sense, I can use it in a figurative sense, birthing forth thoughts, right? Now listen to the pasuk he's quoting. Pasuk says, Adar Adam, vayichi Adam, sheloshim umat shana, vayolid bidmuto kitzmat salmo, vayikrait shemoshet. Pause for a second. If I were to ask you to translate that pasuk and ask you, what does the word mean over there, vayolid? You'd probably, I'd imagine, say, he gave birth. Now you'd say, of course, he doesn't mean he gave birth, it means his wife gave birth, but they're the unit. You talk about the physical birth. Why is he talking about hash'ala? 
Hashala seems to be suggesting, again, this is my own reading of it, it actually occurred to me just yesterday as I was preparing, but I, I think this is very purposeful. I think Harambam led us into this. He, in the last several paragraphs, it really feeds into Sammy's question, uh, he was talking about seemingly, for no particular reason other than developing the word, he said the word leda, la ledet, doesn't necessarily mean in the way you think about, it means more significantly even, in terms of mind, in terms of perception, in terms of approach, in terms of consciousness. And so now when he quotes this pasuk, he says it's a word which is hushal. Pause for a second again, and I bring you back to the Pesukim we began with. The Pesukim we began with, the first Pasuk at the end of Perek Dalit, the fourth chapter in Bereshit, says that I'm suggesting now that Harambam's reading of that is physical birth. Physical birth, in turn, that's not hash'alah, he doesn't need to bring that. Every time he talks about physical birth in the Torah, he's not quoting. He is focused instead in source number two. When it mentions that Adam gave birth, he says, you want to know what the giving birth over there means? Nothing to do with the physical birth. Everything to do with the next words, bidmuto kitzalmo. It's birthing forth in his child this intellectual uh, capacity, this higher level consciousness. He says, I'm back in the more. I already explained to you in the first two chapters of this book, specifically in the first one, what Selim and Demut are. I'm back in the more, right? He says, I already explained to you what those words umikan, and he says, and from the fact that, and we're going we're gonna to crystallize this in a moment, I hope, he says, from the fact that the Pasuk for the first time tells us about Adam bringing forth a child with Selim and Demut, all the children who preceded, now that certainly includes Cain and Hevel, but it might include others that the Torah doesn't tell us about. They didn't come to the true uh, fashion of humanity, meaning the Tzelem Elohim state. Listen to the next words. Shet was different. Why? Because his father taught him and brought him to understanding. That's a very novel statement. And he almost, if we didn't read it carefully, pulled that over us. Rambam is describing this Tselem Elohim, the Tselem in Demut of Adam, which was brought forth in Sheet as being a direct consequence of what Adam does to his child. It is, which, you're right, but by extension, as Rambam says, what is his selim? It's selim elokim. But my point is, at, at the birth of Shet, what a beautiful thing, at the Milah, at the Milah of Shet, I'm saying with a smile, right? At the Milah of Shet, do they look at this child and say, oh, selim elokim? Rambam is saying, no. Right. So he's saying he's born in the same way as Cain and Hevel and any other. That what changes is as he's growing up, as little shit is learning to ride a tricycle and bicycle and all that sort of stuff, his father is at that time and throughout working with him, developing him, developing him. And that's why Rambam has focused on this leda as being something that we can figuratively apply. 
There's something dangerous, but also very significant in the words of Rambam here. If this is the definition of Tzelem Elokim, again, this is not to suggest this is the only definition of Tzelem Elokim. Let me be very clear about that. And furthermore, the colloquial, the way people use it today, is certainly not in this fashion. We don't talk about higher level consciousness as being Tzelem Elokim. And to the extent that, in a very, in my opinion, appropriate way, there's this stress of talking about all of humanity having Tzelem Elokim. I'm not certain Rambam would subscribe to such a statement. Again, in his definition of Salamilokim. Because for him, he says, Kain and Hevel weren't born with it. Shet wasn't even born with it. Shet got to it because his father taught him it. And as a result, he says, the Leda that's mentioned, source number two in Perekeh of Bereshit, it's not that he was actually born with it, it's that his father birthed it to him. His brother brought it forth from him. And this is a very significant statement here in, t- in terms of Hanabam. And because his father taught him so, his son Shet came to what we're calling came to that status and level of higher level consciousness, touching on the essence of humanity. It's for that reason, Pasuk says, he was in turn birthed into him, his tselem, his demut, which is Tzelem Elokim. Nahanam pauses and reflects in his final paragraph. Those were the significant words. Again, it's significant words just in terms of our, our general perspective. Now, people have this vision at times uh, that, uh, you know, the, the, that a person perhaps is born with uh, whatever capacity in terms of their knowledge and, uh, and, and, and understanding of, of, of existence that they'll have. Nahanam is very carefully warning against that. It's specifically... It, it's it's almost you know it's it, it it's it's funny because in this context there's a well-known statement which people criticize uh, Rabbi Shamshin Rafael Hirsch in his commentary to the Torah he pays attention to Cain and Hevel and he pays attention to them and his suggestion with regards to them of quote what went wrong he says if you read between the lines in the Torah I'm not suggesting this is Peshat I'm just telling you what Rabbi Hirsch says is if you read between the lines of the Torah uh, he blames Adam for you know we can do this with Adam it's not Abraham it's Hakan Yaakov there's nothing controversial he blames Adam for what went wrong why does he blame Adam for what went wrong he says he raised them in an identical way uh, to the extent that they weren't able to develop themselves and Hevel if anything was ignored he was the heir. He was the one who was less significant. It birthed forth within them, using that word, right? It brought forth within them some sort of, uh, you know, wrongful approach. I mention that in this context because it's, it's, it's ironic. Harambam is not negating that sort of approach. He says, well, was it only about Hevel? Was it only about Kain? Adam didn't pay attention appropriately. He didn't develop them. He didn't turn them into B'nei Hanevim. It's only the third one that he does that with. That's the Shet. And he's now going to read this into a Mitrash. He's speaking very Aristotelian in this respect. But he, as a result, and this is Rambam's vision of the words of the rabbis in Talmud throughout and in Midrashim, that they were working with a certain Aristotelian thought. Uh, so anytime there's these funny and strange references in Talmud, he'll point to that. And sometimes it's in, you know, when we talk about that, that concept in the Gemara, for the, when the Gemara Masechet Nidan, the Flamadal, talks about it, how a child, when they're in the womb of their mother, I love this Gemara for other reasons, they're taught the entirety of the Torah and then the angel taps them on the mouth and they come out into this world. Uh, what's, uh, what, uh, among many other things, what that Midrash is teaching you is, is very much a Platonic vision of knowledge. Uh, for Plato, the vision of how you get to knowledge is it's always a retrieval. We're always retrieving knowledge that's kind of uh, residing in our subconscious. It's hard to deny that the rabbis over there are working 
working with such a uh, such a concept. Whether it's because they read it from Plato, whether this was the uh, the, the talk of the town and the time. Uh, either way, you slice it. That's very clear. It's a very similar concept with which both of them are referring to. Over here, what he's about to do from the midrash. That's up for discussion. Is this the vision of the rabbis? Has he's going to discuss or suggest it or not? I can't tell you, but I can tell you Rambam is very consistent with regards to this, that the rabbis were very influenced or, or, or a part of this sort of thought in terms of envisioning the perfect being as one who's perfected their mind and has that approach of higher level consciousness. He says as a result, Mikan, we'll get to the Midrash I'm referring to in a second, Mikan Lamadita, you'll learn from this, that any human being who hasn't come to Tzelem Elohim, I repeat again, you know, this, if you say this just in a, in a regular sense today, uh, this, 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 you know, in certain circles, you're really dead. What are you talking about? Not everyone has Salem Elohim. Haram Bam would bravely, without a problem, of course, not everyone has it. Barely anyone has it. He's very proud of that. Again, what, again, that's right, because for him, the definition of Tzelem Elohim, of course, is intellectual. Uh, that's, that's what it is. I understand what the Rambam study would say today. People, isn't it like it's sort of general knowledge today is, is, is a higher level of consciousness? Maybe that's yes, maybe no. I, I hear what you're saying. saying I mean, it's I, I, maybe, maybe. I, I, hard for me to believe it because... No, it's getting to it. Because he's suggesting that Kai, I mean, he, if you read between the lines, he's not saying Kai and Neville didn't have the ability. He's saying Shit is the one who they did it with. Uh, whether, whether he would say that today, again, compared to his time, because he's going to talk about people in his time seemingly and call them Shedim. Right? He's going to call people, oh, in a moment. Shedim, the, 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 Shedim. he's going to say anyone who doesn't have Tehillim Elohim is basically a Shed. I mean, he's going to, he's not going to say it as, not going to say it as, uh, you know, as crassly as I just did, but he's effectively going to say that. No, maybe you'll tell me in the last 800 years we've uh, progressed, right? No, I, 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 I agree with you, Rabbi, I think. Um, that's an interesting question. The answer has to be yes, because keep in mind, Pasuk describes him as being born So for one reason or another, I, I gotcha. That's, uh, maybe that's a post-banishment from the God. Not, he doesn't really describe it. No, again, look at how he's reading the Pasuk. Over there, that's from God, unless you're going to tell me he's, he's going to insinuate that God taught Adam in the form brought him into the classroom. You know? But he does, <coughs> the Pesukim do seem to describe Adam and Hava as being imbued with that Selim Elohim. And then his reading of this Pasuk is not that it was born that way, but it was rather birthed to them through instruction, through development. It's an interesting question. It has a lot. I'm not 100 percent sure how he would articulate this, but in in Helik Bet and Perek Lamed that we were reading la, uh, last time, he was describing how the initial creation was really one. He's subscribing not in the physical sense per se to the rabbinic vision that Adam and Hava were created as one. They were one who were then separated, and he has Adam representing one side of it and Hava another side of it. So it's possible in the representation of what female is, not in the physical sense, so then that doesn't have Tzalem Elohim. That's, that's right. Because, uh, I mean, the, the, 
No, it's, it's a long conversation, but the, the answer has to be, well, first of all, there's two tellings in the Torah of this, right? This, this, the Torah has in Perek Alf and Perek Bet two separate descriptions of this, and you're in the second description of it. How does Harambam resolve that you know, seeming contradiction? Longer conversation, I, I don't even know. I, I know. I know there are many developments, I, I can't tell you exactly what he would do. The second description is the Torah. What's that? Would he say that? Uh, very possible, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really lying. The first moon is from God to Adam, and it's the moon is the moon of God. Uh huh. And the second one is the Dmutah, we're saying it's from Adam. It's the Dmut of Adam, which is the Dmut of Elohim. But given over from Adam. From Adam. That's how Rambam is reading it. But it's Adam's Dmut. It's Adam's Dmut, which is the Tselem and Dmut, Elohim. So if you're saying it's the same Tselem and Dmut of Elo- Elohim, then it has to be it do- it doesn't, over the, the, I don't know. Maybe I thing. learned in one university, and then I taught you in a different university. So I developed it there from so that experience. knowledge from you is, is totally different. That, but if I'm now imbuing you with that knowledge, you're getting it from me, but the source comes from uh, whatever university. So uh, Adam developed this from God, and now Shetu's born, doesn't get it from God, gets it from Adam. So I should have it in the same way, right, when I'm born? Uh, uh, why? Again, I got it from, uh, I, I didn't, but let's say I went to Harvard University. So you were born with all no, that. No, 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 I, I, I don't need to go that far. I don't, I'm, I'm calling, I got it I in that university. from God, it's not. But what's the difference? So I got it in one way, and you got it another way. I got it in the household, and you got it in the school. Uh, You're saying it's a kiddush, you could get it two different ways. One yeah, but why not? But why? why? It is a Elohim, which is derived from an Adam. If you were born with all this knowledge and then you told it over to me, what I'm getting is much different than what you got. Is it? It's, it's, it's developed differently. It could be an identical uh, com- uh, understanding. Anyway, so he says, Any person who hasn't come to this Tzelem Elohim, who hasn't come to a uh, perfected or a uh, developed uh, intellect, that person is not a human being, an animal. Yeah, there you go. He has the... Uh, uh, composition, he has the appearance of human being, you know, he's got that body part and stuff. I'll go further, says Harambam. He even has a capability, which is a dangerous capability. He kind of resides in between humanity and animals, but he's more dangerous than an animal because he has more capabilities. How so? He can cause harm, he can do destructive activities uh, in a very um, uh, significant way more than a, more than an animal why so zot mikevan shamachshavav shikula da'at sheyesh lo muhanim la'asagat ha'shlemut shelo huzga because he has the capacity he's a human being he has the capacity to develop and to understand and to use his mind in ways that animals could not and so therefore even though he hasn't turned it in the right direction he's got that potential and he can use it in a much 
stronger, fierce, and dangerous uh, directions. Zot mikiv. Okay, that's who mafil otam. He can use them and 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 uh, utilize them. Beminetahbulot hagormot beechreach maasim raim vahamoliot begaim. He can use them and all sorts of machinations which bring forth uh, all sorts of harm. Mikan shuhu kiviachol. As a result, a person who hasn't developed. I'm saying purposely. Tzelem elokim shuhu kiviachol davar adomel ben adam. It's a being who's similar to a human being or someone who's uh, copying and mimicking a human being. Go ahead. So, so we know the good news here is we know how, how this part of the story ends. We know that it's, it's disaster. Right. It's very unhappy with all these people. Yeah. Someone's getting into something wrong. Let's, can we just at least summarize that the word yoled that Abraham is focusing on here isn't the end in itself, it's the next two words that matter, is that Yoled, because the word Vakeled, but we were saying before, Vakeled, she's giving birth, and that's literal, but Vayoled is figurative, and that, but it's really not, because anytime, anytime it's a woman, it says Vakeled, and every time it's a man, and it's all kinds of generations where you see the word Yoled being used, it's man, My- it's not Yoled, Agreed. Uh, the only reason I added that 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 spin is to point out, of course, but was to point out that you already mentioned the birth. You meant it, mentioned the vis-a-vis. Why are you repeating it over here? Now I know you want to do the lineage. So I said this time I was just adding to it. You're right. I'm, 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 now the Salmobit Muto are the keywords. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is his diuk. But but again, if you don't I, follow that formula, it ends c- correct. I'm 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 going one more step further. Why why I was doing that? I was doing that to make the point that I think what Rambam is noticing is the fact that we're saying Vayolet bit salmo bit muto in that context is now telling me the word Vayolet is is figurative. That's right. Yes. Uh, well, that being the case, he now concludes this, um, and we'll just have some finishing touches on this. And he says, and so too were all the human beings who preceded Shet. How do you know? Because the Torah doesn't describe them as having Tselem and Demut Elohim, or Tselem and Demut Adam, which is Tselem Elohim. And he in turn quotes from several Midrashim that he kind of puts together, together in some way or another. Shehaya Adam Nazuf Bahen, all those 130 years in which Adam was, uh, to a certain extent, uh, you know, isolated from God, Hayam Molid Ruchot, he was giving birth to spirits. Vakavanan, what's the, what does it mean that he was giving birth to that? Shedim, what we would probably translate as, I don't know, demons or Satans or whatever. Again, what is he translating it as? These are all references to human beings, potentially, who don't have Tzalem Elokim. He says, until he got to 130 years old and gives birth to Shet, so yeah, the Midrash describes giving birth to spirits. So you and I, in today's day and age, or in whatever day and age, may have read that and said, oh, that's right, I want to envision this, I'll say you have demons, and you have this. No, no, says Arambam, it meant, he seems to be telling us, they looked like regular people, they smelled like regular people, they walked and talked like regular people, but they weren't regular people if we're defining regular people as Salem Elohim. That's how he's reading this Midrash now. That's what he's, go ahead. Meaning he's attempting the... the, the... 
and it's not working, or he's not even doing it with them. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I will tell you there has to be other clues in that midrash. I didn't. I didn't put it on the paper, but I did look it up. That midrash actually is is diff- is a difficult read for the way, and that's why I said Rambam is spinning in his direction. That midrash has extra details, which to spin it like this is somewhat difficult because the midrash says that Adam at that time period uh, abstained from relations with his wife for 130 years. And so the Midrash in turn says, so how did he give birth to these spirits? Answers the Midrash from the bad thoughts that he had, which in turn brought forth uh, uh, insemination. And brought forth. I don't know what those details mean in this context, because certainly the way Rambam is reading it is there was kind of a natural birth. He's just not imbuing them. So he's going to have to read that somehow figuratively as well, I mean, which is what he's doing, which, which we're all very comfortable with. But uh, exactly how he does so, not fully certain. And when he was nirsa, nirsa sounds like when he made up with God, when he's no longer nazuf. I don't know. So yes, I, I will now turn back to you, Sammy, and I will say, yeah, it does sound like he was trying. He was trying, and until he appeased God, until he somehow tapped back into higher level consciousness, oh, that's when things worked. He was able to birth a similar one. All right, well, that to a large extent, makes clear, I think, what Rambam is, is, is setting forth for us with regards to Tzelem and Demut Elohim. Again, a significant, not so much in the way that you and I should use those words if we want to today. It should in no way, in my opinion, very clearly take away from a proper appreciation of uh, treating everyone with a... Uh, so, no, I really mean that no, because... There's a certain danger here. The second he told us people are like animals, if they haven't perfected the intellect, I don't know, no, it doesn't, you know, so he's not negating that, but he is. I'm saying these words. So, so again, that was why I said to you very carefully, I said he doesn't explicitly say it, but he implies it. I'll tell you why he implies it, because he started the paragraph with, Kol mi is a behemah, right? or is, is in between. Uh, he's referring to only once upon a time, he's talking about today, he's talking about today, and he says, and that's what the Midrash means that he was bringing forth those. Do you follow notes? I, I do, I do, but why? Any person who hasn't come to this level is and is dangerous, you're telling me he really just means uh, once upon a time? So he should have started with that Midrash. doesn't sound to me like that. So he's starting with telling you, uh, maybe I'm wrong, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I do think it's very clear from his words here and elsewhere that he refers to uh, human beings' objective in life to a large extent and the Torah mission with regards to our objective in life uh, to bringing ourselves to a state of mind, to a level of consciousness and connectedness in an intellectual fashion that is elevated, that is transcendent. Uh, that being the case, yes, Sammy? So, so this again is a Absolutely. In Arabic, is he that? Is he being that cute? I don't know. I don't speak Arabic. I, I took two semesters of Arabic in in, in college, but don't didn't retain. Yes. What I can tell you is in the in the translation, the Shlomo Pines translation. I, I should have brought it and compared it. It's almost identical in English, and I have a two other translations in the Hebrew. I didn't check them this time. I remember the last time. I remember them being all very similar. Understood. I can tell you, furthermore, that in the academic world, this translation is heralded as the best translation. 
I, I, I can't tell you. You know, I can't tell you, can't tell you definitively without knowing uh, Arabic. Because because not everyone is Maimonidean, not everyone is Harambam, you know what I'm saying? And the translation of Rambam is one thing, Tzalem Elohim need not mean what he reads it as. And furthermore, it's a, it's a, it's a catch phrase, which is easy for uh, you and I to pe- pick up on this and say, we should respect people because they all have a certain divine state of being. Is it what the Torah means per se in that context? For Rambam, no. Would he agree with that kind? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, he's, he was very much an elitist, but I think certainly would talk about respect in the appropriate fashion. Certainly. And that, for me, was the biggest hidush of this perik, which, again, is my answer to your first question. Why is he doing this? That's right. That's right. It's not inborn. It's, I think he's very carefully stating that for us. Again, you can't miss it once you read it like that, but you could have read it, and in the past I did, without noticing that. When I spoke about this concept in our first or second class, I didn't mention it. I didn't understand it this way then. I said to you then that Harambam talks furthermore about the difference between Shet and Kain and Hevel as Shet having Tzalem Elohim and then not. I didn't realize he's saying it in the context of development from Adam. He says it explicitly, but I, you know, I, had, I, had, I had glossed over those words in the past. I think, go ahead, sorry, yeah. Just that. Just the contrast that he has Salmon Muto to Cain and Hevel, who there's no mention of, and Salmon Muto by Adam and Hava, or Adam if you want it in that fashion. That's, yes? Oh, no, there's no. It's an important question. We'll have to, at some point, talk about Rambam's understanding of who Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are, and you know, in terms of their stature and status, and what happens with this Salem Elohim, because Torah no longer will mention these words. We, we all important. Yes. There is. All right. He's suggesting that the holadaf, for some reason, well, okay, we'll have to. Sure we did. In Perek Alv we defined it. Salem is the essence, the true state of being. But what does that mean? It's, it's, well, a, it's a high level of consciousness, that's what, what we're saying. That's what we're saying. You so want me to quantify that? high level of consciousness? Again, you know, did you go to Hitler and say you had a high level of consciousness? Yeah. Is he not the Talmud? No, I'm sorry. So how do you differentiate? So he got closer to that when he told us in Perek Bet that it's a person or it's a capacity of, remember his words, emet and sheker, of being right. able to funnel reality through a prism of, 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 of objective truths. It is. So people still have that capacity, but they don't understand the key unless it's... Unless it's maximized, unless it's crystallized, unless they actually got so to what it. Is, how do you call that capacity? Potential. Uh, what are his words for it? Not Potential. He calls, no, he calls it human beings. He calls it Bene Adam. He says, Bene Adam, who are not behemoth, they have the capacity of the potential to it. Remind me uh, the difference between Zemut and Selah? Uh, Perikov. Uh, what I can tell you, though, in our context, though, is then, if we read the continued Pesukim in the Torah, if we read the continued Pesukim in the Torah, then, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm sorry, Ricky. Demut is Milashun Dimui, he had a similarity. And not actually God, but you have that similar attribute to God. Tselem is the essence of. So it matters that it's Be Dimutal and Ke Tselem. 
Maybe. I don't know how. Because he was, he was born. In a similar fashion and like the Tselem, like the essence. Because Adam was born with the Tselem. Yeah. He got the Dmut, but he's only like the Tselem. No, 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 but both. I, I'm not sure. Tselem, meaning he I got, got the second I, I hear the Diuk. <laughs> okay, you're still on that. You're still on it that the, that the Tselem couldn't be the same. Could be. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it wasn't. It's yeah. not. You're right. I hear you. I don't know what to make of it, but I don't know that it's because it was secondhand. But all right. I mean, I'm not fully certain about that. What I can tell you, and I'm not fully certain about this either, but what I can tell you is if you read the continued Pesukim that he's referring to both in Perek Dal and Perek Bereshit, you'll notice, and we have a tendency, at least I did until a couple of years ago, to kind of just read through these Perakim. There's a whole lineage of the children descendants of Cain and the children descendants of Shet. And I put on the page, instead of putting all those pisukim for you, I put, this is from uh, Dr. Yoni Grossman's book. Uh, you can find it in many of the contemporary writers on, on Tanakh in their own ways. They point out that if you line them up, one next to the other, Adam, of course, at the top, and then the child Shet on the left and Cain on the right, you'll notice that there are names that are just so similar. It's, you, you can't look past this. Second generation on the Cain side, of course, is Cain. Fourth generation on the Shet side, his name was Kenan. Those are very similar. It's just one extra letter there. Third on, on the Kayan side is Hanoch. Well, we carry that to seventh on the Shet side. Uh, would you know it? It's Hanoch. Very similar, maybe, uh, dare I say, identical. Irad, Yered, fourth and sixth. Mehuyael, Mahalalel. Metushael, Metushelach. I mean, it's Lemech and Lemech. You can't miss this. And, and we have the tendency to, again, gloss over it. It's, 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 it's direct. What's the meaning of that? Or we have longer conversation. At the very least, the Torah is drawing some sort of parallel between the descendants of Cain, who of course are going to be replaced by the descendants of Shet. Why do I say they're going to be replaced? Because the final descendant that's significant from Shet is Noah. Noah, of course, is a generation during which we have destruction, and everything's re-begun from Noah. Of course, is a descendant only of Shet. Well, that's very significant. So to a certain extent, I'm already just at a very base surface level pointing out that Torah parallels the two, kind of describes how this Shet generation will replace them, maybe even elevate them if they are in some way continuing at Salem Elohim, concluding with Noah, but of course at that generation there's something that goes wrong and we started then afterwards just from Noah. There's lots of other um, uh, other themes and uh, and patterns that have to be noticed over here. The very least that much we can, you will notice that seventh generation on the Cain side, just for example, ends with uh, three descendants, Yaval, Yuval, Tuval, Cain, and the daughter Naama, and the Noah ends with three. There's something about the three ending it. There's a significance of seven generations. Uh, there, there's a lot to be made out over here with regards to that. There's something furthermore, there's lots to be said about the fact that Naama, the daughter of Lemech from the Cain side, according to the Midrash, is the wife of Noah. That's wow. significant as well. What do the rabbis want with that? There was a crossbreed between Cain and Shet from Naama to Noah in their eyes. I'm not going to address that now, but it is very much related as well. All I, yes, Sammy? The last 
extended in the Kayin branches to Balkan. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. That's not, okay, great. I, what I'm saying, there's plenty to be said about this. At the very least, this is my, not even addition, this is my analysis in this context, again, at the context of noticing what Harambam has brought forth, uh, whether convincingly or not, Abi, brought forth for us, and that is that Sheet is the one who gets this Tzelem Elohim, again, through development, maybe the efforts of his father in some way, whereas Cain doesn't. Listen now together, uh, read with me in source number four, very mysterious Pesukim. Mysterious Pesukim, which I will not purport to solve, but I will present to you two classic Mefarshim, who take a stab at them, and we might now appreciate them a little bit more. Besukim say at the beginning of Perek Vav of Bereshit, ki ha'adam larov al ha'adama. It happened when hechel generally is milashon hatala, when the human beings, when Adam began to larov, to proliferate on the ground in the land. Ubanot yuledulahem, and they had daughters. Again, daughters, sons, we talked about in past class, you have to pay attention to that. Vayiru, beneha Elohim et benot ha'adam kitobotena. And the beneha Elohim, who are they? So I just, just for, you know, for, for uh, so you could talk to other people. Source number five, I quoted for you Rashi. Rashi says they either are the sons of ministers and judges, or alternatively, uh, they are the sarim who are going at the messengership, uh, their emissaries of God, angelic beings of some sort. That's uh, very mysterious. If I, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm not going to solve this, but I'm going to set forth something in our context. And the Beneha Elohim, who see these Benot Adam, they choose and take whichever women they want. God sees this. Translation we could do separately, but God's unhappy. Translation, again, we can debate, we'll actually read about it a little bit in the more at some point. As a result, again, also has to be developed and explained, 120 years. I know, Abi, Moshe, I know. Um, but in our, for our purposes, what, who are these B'nai Halim? Why does the Torah mention this, that they go to the B'not Adam? It's all mysterious, of course, and we could maybe turn to the Kabbalists from one approach. We can alternatively turn to, of all people, Ibn Ezra and Barbanel. Ibn Ezra and Barbanel, neither one of them taking this as their only approach, suggest the following. They say, Beneha Elohim are descendants of Shet. Keep in mind, in Perekeh, we had just mentioned the descendants of Shet. Why would you call them Bene Elohim? I now add. Uh, they were the ones who were imbued with Selim Elohim, were they not? And now we're reading of it. And not yet. There's, there's well, descendants of Cain. We're not up to Noah yet. And who are the Benot Ha'adam? Cain, who worked the ground, says uh, Abar Benel. So something happened now between Shet, who are the powerful ones, who should have and do have some sort of Tzelem Elohim, and they go to the Benot Ha'adam, descendants of Cain. Maybe, fascinatingly, yes, and again, I don't want to fully do that right now, but fascinatingly, maybe Noah does the same thing, but does it right somehow, right? Do you follow what I'm saying? Noah somehow does that right, but what goes wrong over here? I, I tell you to look no, no further than the description of the Pesukim as to what's happening. We have over here sight. The next Pesukim, source number four, they see. 
We know that word from the beginning of the first fall. Vatere, in source number eight, vatere ha'isha, the woman sees. Now, what did the woman see in this tree? Kitob ha'etzlamacha. What did the bene ha'eluhim see? Kitobotena. What did she in turn do? She saw something that was lustful and good for her. It was tob. It was good for her, and it was something she was interested in, and she took it, which means to say in the most basic sense, without going so deep on this, this is is, I think, through the minds of Ibn Ezra, Barbenel, Harambam, history repeating itself. This is the continued lineage of Adam in the real sense. It's the Salem Elohim branch who now manipulate not just the world, manipulate other human beings, call it the lower level, the lower grade human beings, and instead of developing that Salem Elohim as Adam could have, as Hava should have, and as they in turn, as Beneha Elohim should be doing as well, they fall prey to the Tovin Rav, Perek Bet of the Moreh. They fall prey to that which they are lustful for, that which they want. They give in to what we call subjective truths. They live in that world of Mefur Samot instead of Muskalot, go back to the words of Perek Bet. In short then, if we read the continued description in the Torah with the vantage point of the Moreh over here, we're now understanding Harambam, even though he doesn't spell out any of this for us, he probably has a programmatic vision of what's taking place here in the Torah, and again, all with code words. Why B'nei Elohim? What's this Re'iyah? Why the mention of all the lineage beforehand? It's to say it in a sentence or two. It's a description of the Torah setting forth for us the plan, the potential that humanity had from the Shet branch, where you finally, Adam, got it right, 130 years later, you got it right, here's the Salem Elohim and you still can't pull this off. You still returned yourself into the garden, so to speak, where you then fell. That's not to say that there weren't bright moments in the eyes of some rabbis. That's not to say that we didn't have a Hanukh, who was a positive moment in the Selim Elohim branch, as you know, you might read in the Pesukim. It's not to say that things didn't go right at points on this Selim Elohim Shet branch, but it is the way it concludes itself, which in turn the Torah says, all right, and we, again, we'll have to at some point in another context discuss, so then why does God think we could get it right the second time? But ultimately speaking, he says, all right, so this project is off. I tried it, quote unquote, in the garden with Adam and Chava. Banishment, new lineage, maybe could have brought it forth. Oh, we just repeated the whole thing in the storyline of the Beneha Elohim, Benota Adam, of the Beneshet with the Bene Kain. Uh, to, to put it all in a sentence then, Harambam then closed out for our purposes a conversation about Selim Elohim, described for us the, uh, the mandate, the mission that we have to develop our Selim Elohim, which again, as he already told us, is the capacity that's reached when we've gotten to that higher level consciousness. And we in turn supplemented it with a developed reading of the Pesukim and Bereshit, where if you read them carefully then, you see the continued lineage of Shet, who could and should and are the B'nai Alim bearers, but ultimately speaking, full prey to the same fault, to the same failure as their, you know, as their ancestors, Adam and Hava. Baruch Adonai, the Olam, Amen, Amen.